Amen. And can we welcome our sixth graders to their first United? Come on. Yeah. Yeah, we got about 511 sixth graders, and so it is awesome. I'm so excited to have the sixth graders in the house tonight. Um, turn to your neighbor and say, it's not about you. And turn to, the na- turn to the neighbor you didn't pick the first time and tell him it's not about you either. It's not about you. So it's not about you is, uh, is something that was said to me a lot, especially when uh, my new student pastor came in when I was a junior, senior year um, of high school here at Beach. And he would come in and he just, the first thing he always said was, it's not about you. And it's not about you uh, is kind of a phrase that makes us a little a little uncomfortable because most of the things in the world, social media um, and, and all that kind of stuff, it's all about us. We're concerned with us. That's kind of the way the world functions. And so when someone says it's not about you, we have the tendency to be like, well, well, that, that's mean. But, but I want you to hear that the point of this series is not to, to bash you down. We are all valuable. We are all worth the son of God coming and dying for us. So we have so much value. You are created by God. But When it comes to following Jesus, once you give your life over to Christ, what you're really saying is it's not about me. It's all about you, God. It's all about you because I can't earn my way to heaven. And as we we walk with Christ, we realize that now it's all about him and it's all about others. There was a guy that came up to Jesus and he said, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, the second commandment is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So what basically Jesus said is it's, it's, other, or it's God first, it's other second, it's you third. What Jesus said was it's not about you. And, and as Christians, I think a lot of times if you've been around the church at all, maybe even if you're not a Christian, you've just kind of seen some stuff online or you've, you've heard from other Christians that you know and Jesus followers, you might, you might have already found out that we're called to serve. We're called to serve as Christians. Uh, our church, we're, we're all about being a servant church. We built, uh, we took this uh, post office over here, and it's like a $2 million property, and we've invested another million, dollar, million dollars into it and gave it to the community because we want to serve the community because it's not about us. We are a servant church, and we're all about serving. So you may know that, that you are called to serve, but sometimes we forget why we serve. And so I want to talk a little bit about why we serve tonight. Has anyone ever seen the show Undercover Boss? Undercover Boss, yeah. So Undercover Boss, for those of you who don't know, it's another reality show. And it's this show about um, these bosses, these millionaire CEOs, billionaire CEOs, who, uh, who, who basically make up themselves. They put this weird disguise on them, and then they go and they apply to their own company and they start working like the low-level job. So if I saw one that was like the Utah Jazz owner, maybe you've seen that one, and he went in and he started putting together the basketball court for the NBA team. He would work behind the scenes. He'd work in ticket sales. And so they start to see what their organization is like. They see how people get treated. They see kind of, they hear from other people that are low-level employees that, that aren't millionaires, that aren't billionaires, that aren't in control. And this whole show is just about how these these CEOs, these high-level people go down to the very bottom, and then they serve within their company. And so many times it ends in these tearful conversations between them and other people as they say, wow, I heard your story, and I, I get it. I understand that, 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 that life isn't what I think life is. Life is hard for a lot of people, and I know you've lost somebody, and here's, they give them $10,000, I'm going to give you a raise, or I'm going to give you more vacation. And they, and they start to understand the plight of the people that are working for them. And so I would argue that the greatest undercover boss story in the history of the world is Jesus Christ 
coming to earth. That greatest act of service. A lot of times we talk about there's a place where Jesus washes the, defeat, the feet of the disciples. And that's like the greatest act of service he gave. And we talk about Jesus going to the cross as a great act of service. We talk about the healings as a great act of service. But when you really want to get to the heart of serving, I would go even way before that and just look to him coming down to earth at all. Imagine this. Imagine Jesus. Imagine Jesus. He has been existing for all of eternity. He created the heavens and the earth. He created light. He created all these billions of people, all of you. And then he decides, because we are messed up and we need a savior, that he is going to come down to earth. Even if you're a Christian, you've heard this story a million times. I want you to really think about this. Put yourself in these in Jesus' shoes right now or his sandals. He's up in heaven and he is being praised by angels. Angels, like the guys that one angel could just tear apart a bunch of humans and they scare them to death. And they always have to say, fear not, fear not, I'm not here to hurt you. And and you've got these angels, millions and millions of angels, these fearsome warriors that have lived for all of eternity. And they're praying to Jesus, holy, holy, holy. There's light everywhere. The streets are gold. Nobody's hungry. Nobody's thirsty. There are no tears. It is perfection. And he's at the center of of it all. And better yet, he is spending time with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, and they are in relationship with each other. This is perfection. And all of a sudden, like this, he is a single cell in the dark stomach of a teenage girl. Like that's that's the transition. There wasn't like a kind of a warm-up period. Let me come in, let me come down to earth as a king, and then I'll go down to a prince, and then down to a soldier, and then I'll get down to the way the way Jesus came. No, he comes in like a split second. He is in this, in this. This, this body, and he's growing inside this, this girl. And then he's born, and we know the Christmas story that he is born in this animal trough, and there's animals around him, and it's dirty, and it's probably most likely like a cave out back behind a hotel or an inn. And, and, and also keep in mind, he wasn't born, not only was he not like a king or anything, but he wasn't born in the best time period. We all know, if you watch the news, that for the most part, Israel, the Middle East, isn't the greatest place to live even today. There's war, there's fighting, and that's, that didn't start like this year. Like that started ages and ages and ages ago. So it's, not, it's already not the greatest place, but think about this 2,000 years ago. There was no air conditioning, and they lived in the desert. There was no Chick-fil-A, which thank you, Jesus, for making me uh, alive in this amazing time period. A lot of times I see people on Twitter and they say this, like, what a time to be alive or something like that. This was not a good time to be alive. The first century Israel, like, it it stunk, man. Like, there was no suits, uh, there was no uh, indoor plumbing, there was no electricity. It it was not a good time. uh, Roman rule was just like, like, if they didn't like the way you looked at them one day, they just cut your head off. They just killed you. Like, they didn't care. Like, this was how Jesus grew up. And he grew up not as a rich person in this time, but as a poor person. He was a migrant worker. He was a carpenter. He worked uh, just for, for a few dollars a day. Like, this, this was not a guy who was living the life. And furthermore, the Bible actually says, a lot of times we see the Jesus movies, and he's perfect looking. He's like Spanish or something, and he's got this beautiful manicured beard. Um, and his real name in like real life is like Rolando Gutierrez, but now he's acting like a Hebrew man. And he's sitting up there, and he's, oh, he's beautiful, perfect tan, perfect white teeth. And it's like, man, that's, that's, a, that's a savior, baby. That guy looks awesome. But Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, tells us that actually Jesus wasn't very good looking. The Bible literally tells you, I don't know if you've read this, in Isaiah 53, that Jesus was average. He was an average-looking guy. We didn't look at him and think, wow, man, I should follow that guy because of the way he looked. 
No, that, that wasn't the way he was. And it also says that he was lonely, that he was a guy that knew suffering. I want you to think about the loneliest you've ever felt and understand that the God of the universe felt that way too. And he chose to feel that way. He chose to come down to earth to serve us, to be our savior. And he felt that way. He set through, through school and had people make fun of him. I want you to imagine, think about how much you get mad at your friends that are brown nosers to your teachers. Think about how mad you get at the people that suck up to the coach or suck up uh, to, to your boss or whatever at work. And you're like, man, you're so lame. Like why? Like everyone knows, everybody can see through what you're doing right now. <clears throat> now, imagine that you are hanging out with this friend or this brother that is perfect, perfect. Imagine James, the brother of Jesus, he would go to his mom and be like, well, Jesus started it. And she's like, no, he didn't. He never starts it. He didn't hit you. He didn't cuss at you. He didn't say anything bad to you. He didn't take your toy. He's perfect. He's God. Sorry, James, you're in trouble. You're grounded. James is probably like, man, I hate my brother. He's always right. And he was, he was always right. Imagine at school and his friends would look at him and like, man, that guy knows everything. He knows all the right answers. He, 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 he does all the right stuff. I mean, he's always right. And what would they do? They'd probably pick on him. Jesus was a guy that knew suffering. He knew what it meant to be lonely and hurt. It didn't start on the cross. It didn't start when he was getting crucified on the last 24 hours of his life. It was his entire life from his family. He even goes into ministry and he goes back to his hometown and they all look at him like, man, is that Jesus? The son of the, the carpenter, the son of Joseph and Mary? Is that the guy who, whose, whose mom said she got impregnated by God? Really? Like that's, that's, that, that's, that's who thinks he's the son of God? That's the guy who's going around preaching? Man, Jesus knew suffering. And he knew what it meant to live a life of service. He spent the last three years of his life going around healing and loving and spending time with people that were, that were looked down on. <clears throat> and so I want you to imagine, he went from all that he had in heaven to that. That was his life. A lot of times we don't think about it like that. We read the verse and we skip over. We're like, okay, yeah, he, he came down to, to die for us. But think about the difference. Think about this, this dynamic between heaven <clears throat> and earth. And so he leaves that because he's going to serve us. He's going to live as an undercover boss to live life as a human and sacrifice himself on the cross for us. That is why we serve. Because we follow a guy, and, and Christianity, you can, you can hear all the stuff about rules and going to church and all that kind of stuff. Christianity is following Jesus. The first Christians were called Christians. Why? Because they were like little Christ. They were like little Jesus followers. They wanted to be like Jesus. And so they followed after Jesus. And if Jesus is defined by service, that was his whole life was service, coming down to see us, coming down to die for us, then we should serve as well. That's why we serve. Now, here's the issue I kind of see within our student ministry. Within our student ministry, I see a church that is a servant church. Yes, yes, yes. I see a student ministry that we are all about serving. We go on three mission trips a year. Um, and this, this isn't to, to downplay what, what some other people do, but a lot of churches, a lot of student ministries, they don't really go on mission trips. I grew up not going to mission trips. I grew up in our trip every summer. We'd either... Um, We'd go to camp, and, and that was awesome, but that was the only thing we did. And then other student ministries might go on, like, a rafting trip, or they might go on a, on a ski trip and all that kind of stuff. And that's all good, and that builds relationships. But our church loves mission trips. Our student ministry is built around mission trips. Every summer, we go um, to Albany, we go to Jamaica, and we go to North Jacks, which actually is, uh, <clears throat> is starting this Tuesday. And, uh, and so we, are, we love service, and we have a ton of students that serve on a Sunday night and make all this happen. We've got uh, students that serve up here in the band. We've got students that serve up in the Tech Bridge. We've got students that serve by checking you in and, and greeting you and handing you notes and giving you Bibles. We have all of that. So this is a, a place 
of service. But I would argue, just watching the student ministry over the past few years, that there's probably a little bit of complacency. I think we've gotten to the point where we say, oh, yeah, service is important. We should serve. Yeah, yeah, you know, no, in fact, I'm a greeter once a month. Great. And, and that's kind of how, how we look at it. But I think probably, and this isn't everybody, but just as the, as the pastor of the ministry, as I watch kind of what happens, I've seen maybe a little bit of a shift to being complacent, to kind of being like, okay, yeah, I've been there, done that. I've done the service. I've done the mission trip. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's all well and good. But, okay, I, I've done my time. Now somebody else can do it. And we might be looking at service as kind of like an inconvenience. And so we only want to do it when it's convenient. We only want to do it, um, yeah, I'll greet at Epworth, but on a regular Sunday night, eh. We start to get a little bit picking and choosing. We're like, well, well, I'll go to Albany or I'll go to, uh, to Jamaica, but uh, North Jacks or, or a serve day in the fall or the spring where we're serving in our own community. Uh, you know, what's the excitement in that? And so we start to pick and choose. And Jesus, we don't see Jesus coming and serving and picking and choosing. We don't see him coming and saying, Okay, uh, that's a good opportunity. I'll take that. But you, uh, you kind of, uh, you're a tax collector. I'm not going to come around to you. Uh, I'll, serve the, I'll serve this prince over here. I'll serve this king. I'll talk to you, you Pharisees or you religious leaders. But uh, I'm not going to really deal with you. We, we didn't see Jesus pick and choose. And that's not really the heart of service. And what I want us to understand is this. It's the only, really the only thing in your notes. Um, if you're taking notes, I know we didn't give out pens and everything, but if you have a journal and you want to write it down, uh, write this down. Serving starts with the heart. Serving starts with the heart. Serving is a heart Issue, And I think as we start to get complacent, and you can look at your own heart, and, and, and I may not be talking to everybody right now, but I'm sure that I'm talking to some people, and I'm sure I'm talking to myself, in that sometimes we get a little complacent with service. I've already done that, so I don't need to do it anymore. I, I, I put in my time. Sometimes we get to the point where it's like, eh, you know, I'll serve sometimes, and I'll serve the big opportunities, but on a normal week, eh, I don't really feel like it. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe someone else can do it. A lot of times we say that. Well, someone else will do it. Someone else will, will serve, that kind of thing. But the truth is serving starts with the heart. We have to look at our heart and look at how we view serving. Because the truth is Jesus wants us to be all in when it comes to service. So I want you to turn to Matthew 23. Matthew 23. Matthew 23. It is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 23. We're going to look at verse 1. Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse 1. And we're going to see Jesus talk about the heart of serving. And we're going to see him kind of attack this, this mentality of, well, I'll do it when I feel like it. I'll do it when it's convenient. I'll do it um, sometimes. I'll do it when it's a big event, but, but not all the time. And so maybe he's speaking to you tonight. I would say he's speaking to all people. But in this situation, he's talking to crowds and his disciples. And this is what he says, starting in verse, uh, well, that was verse 1, starting in verse 2. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. So now, right now, he's talking about these priests, these pastors that are Jewish leaders in the, in, in the, in the synagogue in Jerusalem. And he's saying, they sit in Moses' seat. Now, what he means by that is Moses was the leader of the Hebrew people, the great leader of the Hebrew people that guided them out of Egypt into the promised land. And so they all look at Moses like he's like the top dog. So he's saying, you guys, you guys currently sit in that seat. And then he tells the people, and technically you're supposed to 
do what they say. They, they're, they're the leaders. You're supposed to do what they say. But listen to what he says. But do not do what they do. You know, at first the Pharisees were like, yeah, we are like Moses. Yeah, they should listen to us. I like this sermon, Jesus. I'm starting to like you. And then he drops the bomb and he says this. You don't do what they do. Don't be like them. For they do not practice what they preach. And at that, I'm sure some jaws dropped and some anger, some blood vessels started bulging in some foreheads and some necks because they were getting mad at Jesus. What what do you mean we don't practice what we preach? Man, we're God's men. That's what the Pharisees are saying. But he says, don't do what they do. You can do what they say, but don't do what they do because they're hypocrites. They tie up these heavy, cumbersome loads and they put it on other people's shoulders. So they give them all these rules and these laws and they put it on their shoulders and they say, go, live your life with all this this backpack of, of religious rules and, 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 and laws. And they load them up on people, but they themselves, the leaders, are not even willing to lift a finger to move them. And so these leaders would just say, hey, you do this, you do this, you do this, you bring this sacrifice, but I'm not going to help you. I'm not, I'm not coming to help you. And then he says this, everything they do is for people to see. So now, remember, serving is a heart issue, and he's talking about these guys' hearts right now. They make their phylacteries wide. I'll explain that in a second. And the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at the banquets. They love to sit at the head of the table. They love to sit in the front row, the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. So they love when they're walking through and everybody knows their name. Hey, rabbi. And they'd be like, oh, thank you. Yeah, that's me. I'm the rabbi. I'm the man. They'd walk around the streets just kind of pointing at people, smirking at people. Yeah, my life is good. But they had these things called phylacteries, and they were like, um, they were based on Old Testament scripture that said we're supposed to have the, the law of God on our foreheads and, and, and in front of us at all times. And so what they did is they made these little ornaments, and they put them on their robe, and they put them on their forehead, and the ornaments had Bible verses in them. They had scripture, these tiny little scrolls. And so they were kind of taking the word literally, which wasn't a problem. But it was a problem that over the course of hundreds of years, they had started to make this a visual thing. So they, they walked around, and, he, and Jesus is saying, well, now you've made those ornaments really big. What you're trying to do is make people see how holy you are, how great you are, how righteous you are. Man, you've got these massive ornaments and these big tassels coming down. You've got these fancy robes. So everybody looks at you like, man, that guy is a God, man. That guy is holy. So he's, he's attacking their heart. He's saying, guys... Guys, all you care about is what people think. Verse 8, but you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and all are brothers. You're not, and do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors or teachers, for you have one teacher, one instructor, the Messiah. What he's not saying is you can't call your dad, dad. You can't call a pastor, a pastor. What he's saying is they are not any better than you are. Y'all are all human beings, and you are not better than someone else. It's not about you is what he was saying. Everybody, listen, it's not about you is what Jesus was saying to these people, to these teachers, to these disciples, to these followers of him, to the crowds. He's saying, it's not about you. And then he follows it up with this. The greatest among you must be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. So if you want to be great, you are called to serve. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. So those who make it all about them, eventually you're going to be humbled when you see it's really all about God. But those who humble themselves and make it all about God and other people and serve, they're going to be exalted at the end. Now, what this is not saying is if you do a lot of good stuff, you're going to go to heaven. What he's saying is when you go before God, 
you're not going to have all your stuff and all your positions of power and all your, your, your titles. You're going to have, what did you do for God? What did you do for people? And so he's saying, man, if you humble yourself, you're going to be exalted. But if you exalt yourself on earth, if it's all about you, you're going to realize quickly that it's not about you in eternity. Now flip over to Matthew 20, and I want to look at a couple other verses. And maybe this is why a couple chapters later Jesus says this to all these crowds and to all these disciples and to all these teachers. Because a couple of chapters before, in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, a couple of uh, Jesus' disciples start arguing with each other. And they start arguing, they start arguing about who is going to be the greatest. Yeah, we know you're the king, Jesus. Well, who's going to be your prince? Who's going to kind of be your, your, your number one lieutenant? Who's going to be your five-star general? Who's, who's going to be the guy right next to you when your glory and your kingdom is coming? And so actually what they do is they send their mom. They're like, hey, mom, ask Jesus if we can be the favorites. And Jesus is like, oh, my gosh, this again? Like, th- this again? Like, what are you guys doing? And this is what he says. He called them together, verse 25, and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, this is just like rulers of all the people besides the Jewish people. So he said, all the rulers of the Romans, the Greeks, the Babylonians, these rulers, they lord it over other people. In other words, they're power hungry. They want all the power for themselves. They want to do whatever they want to do, and they want to be the top dog. And the high officials, they exercise authority over you. Again, it's all about them. They are the ones in control. That's the way the world is. And then he says these four important words. He says, not so with you. Not so with you. Jesus followers, Christians, it's not supposed to be the same way with you. Heck, even if you don't follow Jesus, if you you don't believe in it, if this is your first time to church and you're like, whatever, I don't really believe all that junk. I just came with my friend. Listen to me. Like, Jesus' words here are still true. It's still better to humble yourself. It's still better to serve others. Why do you think all these organizations exist? Why do you think for National Honor Society they require you to do community service? Why do you think when people get arrested they say do community service? Why do people look so highly upon that for scholarships and colleges? Because people know in their heart life should be about other people. It should be about service. And yet we still want to do what we want to do. We want to make it all about us. But Jesus says not so with you. Instead, instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. He says these same words that he says a couple chapters later. If you want to be great, be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of everybody else. Must must admit that it's not about them. And then he says, why are you to do this? Again, the why is always Jesus. He says, just as the Son of Man, talking about himself, Jesus, just as Jesus did not come to be served, but he came to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. So I want you to do a heart check right now. I want you to do a heart check. Um, Again, you can do this whether you are a a Jesus follower, you call yourself a Christian, or you say, "Eh, I'm not really sure about all this. I, I, I just want you to ask yourself a couple of questions. First question is this. Are you serving with excellence? Are you serving with excellence? Not are you serving... Not uh, are you a greeter, not have you gone on a mission trip, but when you serve, when you live a lifestyle, are you doing it with excellence? Are you doing it with your best? Or is it just kind of, you know, I guess I'll do that tonight. Ah, I showed up 15 minutes late, whatever. 
Uh, I don't want to talk to this kid. I'm just going to go play nine square. I, I'll just leave my post. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, I'm not going to tell my friend about Jesus or tell him to come to church because I'll just let it be about me. Are, are you serving with excellence? And the second question is kind of like the first one. Are you serving with the right heart? Are you serving with the right heart? So are you serving with excellence? Jesus wants us to, to ask ourselves. And are you serving with the right heart? Because serving starts in our heart. It starts with the way we look at other people, the way we look at God. And the truth is, again, when we become Christians, we're saying it's not about me anymore. It's about God and it's about other people. In fact, do you know that the, the church is really the one that started, and, and Jesus first and then the church are the ones that started the acts of service and humility in the ancient world? Those weren't good things. People looked down on someone who would help someone else. They looked down on people that would take care of the poor. They looked down on people that would take care of the sick. Those things started in recent times, in the past 2,000 years, because of the church. Most hospitals you know about started by Christians, started by churches. Most nonprofit organizations started by Christians, started by churches. The people that stayed behind and took care of people during the Black Plague were Christians. The people that took care of the people that had been beaten and persecuted for whatever reason were Christians. And Jesus made these things popular. He made these things honorable because he said, it's not about you, it's about other people. So I just want to share kind of my story um, when, it comes to, when it comes to serving. And, I, and I've shared it with some of you before, um, but when I grew up, uh, I grew up a Christian, obviously. My dad's a pastor. Um, I love Jesus from the, from, kind of from the get-go. No one's born a Christian, and I wasn't born a Christian either. But I grew up knowing that Jesus loved me. Um, I gave my life to Christ and sometime during elementary school. But the time that I really consider myself as coming into a knowledge that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus was going into sixth grade. Some of, the, some of you are that age. I was going into my sixth grade year. I was 10 years old, almost 11 years old. I was a young sixth grader, and, and I gave my life to Christ. I was, at, uh, I was at camp in central Florida. I sat in the middle, uh, the middle row kind of towards the aisle about halfway back, and I was listening to them talk about how Jesus would do anything for us, how he would give up everything for us, how he was a servant for all of us, and I gave my life to Christ that night, and I don't have some crazy before and after story. I do have a, uh, I do have the same testimony as most of you. I was a sinner. I needed a savior, and I got a savior through Jesus, and that is a miracle in and of itself. But I don't have this crazy kind of like before and after. But what I will tell you is Jesus has done some work on my life and in my heart over the past uh, 12, 13 years. Because when I was in high school, man, when I went to student ministry, and again, it wasn't like this. There were like. 12 people in a circle just kind of like, oh, yay, like, we're Christians. We're going to sing these corny songs and look at an overhead projector and do really ridiculous stuff. Um, so it was a little bit different, but it was still all about me all the time. It was all about me. How, how mad could I get my student pastor? How could I get them to just quit on their lesson? Like, that was me. I was like the crappy pastor's kid that you all think about I was. I, that's what I was. And uh, me and my friend would just try to try to make people mad, and we were we were there, but it was all about us. We weren't there for the right heart. We weren't there um, serving other people, serving with excellence. We were just kind of all about ourselves. And so uh, what happened was um, really when I moved here, um, kind of in my junior, senior year, when a new student pastor took over, um, I started hearing that, that phrase a lot. It's not about you. And actually, quite honestly, among my friends, and among my kids my age in the student ministry, I was kind of known as the guy that didn't want to serve. I didn't want to do the hard work. I try to kind of 
disappear or take a really long bathroom break when we were setting up for Epworth or when we were unloading the bags in Jamaica or whatever. Like, that was who I was. And I would think to myself, well, I'm serving. I'm here, aren't I? And I've heard some of you say that before. Like, at least I'm here. At least I went on the trip. At least I come on Sunday nights. What about the people at home? They're not doing anything. At least I'm here. Something's better than nothing, right? That's what I said. It was all about me, and that's what I would say. And I, and I had to realize and had to come to the conclusion that just being present wasn't enough. Just being there wasn't really what God had called me to do as a Christian because the truth was it wasn't about me. What about the kids that were coming to church? I wasn't concerned with them. Did I see a new kid and think, wow, man, Jesus could change their life tonight? No, I was just like, I'm just gonna hang out with my friends. I'm just gonna do whatever. I'm gonna be the center of attention. It's all about me. And Jesus kind of broke me down over the course of a few years and started to really change my heart. And I won't claim to be the perfect person. My wife will tell you it is all about me still most days. That's, that's, that's the way it is, and she knows it. But I can tell you that God has changed my life and changed the way I look at things and changed the way I serve over the past 12 years. I promise you, like the joke, whether it was true every time or just sometimes about me was, There's Ryan finding a way to not serve, finding a way to slack off, finding a way to not do something, finding a way to skip out on the tough work, finding a way not to sweat or get dirty or get his hands dirty. And Jesus had to break me of that. And he had to teach me that it wasn't about me. And I had to grow in that way. And some of you need to grow in that way. Some of you need to realize it's time for me to stop coming to United and make it all about me. But I need to worship God first and serve others second. I need to make it about other people. Because here's the truth. We need students who serve with excellence and with the right heart if we want to see miracles happen. That's what we need. You guys see the news. You see what's on the news all the time. And you know that the world sucks. The world is messed up. Man, there's, there's people hating each other because of what they look like or who they love. There's people hating each other because they're from a different border, a different nation from someone else. Some of you have said things about people that I don't think you really understood and, and you really didn't mean it. But you've done it. The world is, the world's messed up and it doesn't get fixed on accident. It doesn't get fixed because a bunch of people say it's all about me. I'm just going to do me and live my life. It gets fixed because a bunch of people say, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to make it about Jesus. And I'm going to make it about the person next to me in class. I'm going to make it about my mom and my dad. I'm going to make it about my cousin. I'm going to make it about my coworker. I'm going to make it about the people around me because I am third behind God and others. It's not about me. We need people to say it's not about me. We can't just put a tweet, a tweet that says our prayers with France, our prayers in Orlando, our prayers with whoever the people that are that that just got hurt or minimalized. We have to actually do something. Man, we talked in Jamaica about James and he would say, don't just be hearers of the word. Some of us have to stop hearing. Some of us have to stop coming into United and saying, oh, that was a good word, Ryan. All right, let me go home and do the same thing I always do. Some of us need to start hearing some scripture and actually doing it. And you could be a sixth grader and hear it and do it. You could be a 12th grader and hear it and do it. There isn't an age limit on service. There isn't an age limit on, on being about other people. Man, it's never too early to start saying, it's not about me. It's not about me. And so as we close tonight, as we close um, in worship, we're going to sing a couple songs. We're going to worship God for everything he's worth because he is glorious. He's amazing, man. I'm so excited to be in the house of God. I'm so excited to be with you guys and be talking about Jesus again. We got an awesome year coming up. We're going to praise him and worship him like crazy. But 
We're going to do um, something over the next three weeks as we talk about service. And we, every week at the end of, uh, at the, end of the sermon, during the last few songs after United, we're going to ask you to sign up to serve at United. Now, here's what I want you to hear. Even if you so- served last year, we're starting up with zero. So right now we have zero people serving. And so we need people to step up and serve. You can serve in the parking team. You can serve... Um, uh, you can serve as a host, a greeter. You can serve up here in the band, in the tech bridge. You can serve as a stage assistant. You can serve as a photographer. There's so many ways to serve. But we need people that say, it's not about me. It's about other people. And that's how we're going to reach our schools. That's how you're going to reach your friends. Listen to me. That's how you're going to reach your friends. That's how you're going to see change in Jacksonville. It's because we stop just hearing it. And we stop just only praying about it, and we start to say, in addition to the prayers, I'm going to start doing something. I'm going to start serving. And so, I'm going to pray for you guys, and uh, over these last couple songs at the end of worship, um, we have two computers in the back. You can turn your heads and look at them. They're light lit up, so you can see them. Those are computers. They, uh, they have um, ways to serve on them. You'll just go back there. It'll take a minute. You sign up to serve. We'll contact you. We're going to do a big, uh, uh, a big serve training in a few weeks on uh, August 28th, right after church, big church. Um, we'll feed you lunch and all that kind of stuff. But don't worry about that yet. We just need people to serve. And now what I want you to do is as you serve, I want you to make sure, hey, I'm doing this for God, not for myself, not for people to see me. And I'm doing this. I'm going to do this with excellence. I'm not going to show up late. I'm not going to halfway. I'm going to do it for God. And so I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray over you guys that this year will be a year of service, that our students will serve our community, that you will serve the people that come in here, and then we're going to worship together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We are so excited for what you're going to do this year. We are so, you see us here, down here, just worshiping you like crazy, inviting our friends. We are pumped for you, Lord. But I pray that we wouldn't just hear your word this year. Wherever we are, if we're here for the first time or we're here starting our senior year or we're about to go off to college, Lord, I pray that it will not be about us, that it will not be about me, Lord, that we will serve, that we will make it about you and about others, just as our Lord and Savior did. As we follow Jesus, we need to be like him. So I pray over each and every student, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, our college students, our adults, our staff, Lord, I pray that we will be about you. We will be about your kingdom. We will be about everything that you have for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In your name we pray.